1: That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links.
2: And now, your host,
1: Mike
2: Penn! The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you back to a brand new edition of Between the Links. We are live. We're back in video form this week. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 278 going down in Salt Lake City this Saturday. A lot going on this weekend in combat sports. A lot has happened since we last spoke on this program. So let's talk about it with the panel. First, let us introduce... Mr. No Gray Area, the winningest player in the history of the show, the man who cut an unforgettable Michael Chandler promo to win the show a couple of weeks ago from No Bets Bared. Damn, they were good at MMAfighting.com. <laughs> Jed Mishu, hello, sir. Your intros are getting longer and longer, my man.
3: I'm just racking up titles, baby. Look, if I go down, if that's what I'm remembered for, the Michael Chandler promo. I'll be a little sad because I think I've had some other really good efforts. But that was probably the best thing I've done in some time on this show. So I'm okay (laughs) with it.
2: That was amazing. There's no chance you could lose after that promo. So his opponent today, and let me just say this. I put out feelers to multiple managers in the MMA space because I wanted a fighter to join the panel this week. Who has what it takes? Which fighter has the gusto to take on Jed Mishu in this virtual arena we have here. And Michael Chandler didn't want that smoke. (laughs) Michael Chandler didn't want the smoke, but one man did step up to the plate. He is a member of the UFC's lightweight division. I know his debut was at welterweight, so I don't know. Maybe we'll get an official answer to this. But today, he puts the analyst hat on. Let us welcome in Evan Elder to the program. Evan, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. So are we? Are you UFC lightweight, Evan Elder, or UFC welterweight, Evan Elder? I know most of your career is at yeah. lightweight, but
4: yeah, definitely, definitely lightweight. I just stepped up uh, a couple days' notice, so uh, uh, didn't didn't want to have to cut the weight, uh, cut to fifty five, so um, uh, took the fight at welterweight. But definitely going back to my original weight class of lightweight.
2: There we go. So let's get into this thing. Let us begin with this past weekend and Marlon Vera's sort of coming out party in a lot of ways. It was a tough first couple of rounds for Cheeto Vera. As it typically goes for him in his career, as he took on Dominic Cruz in the main event of UFC, San Diego. He got some momentum in the third round in the main event fight, and then boom, big head kick, turns the lights out, and Marlon Vera gets yet another victory. Jed, we'll begin with you, since you were not on the post-fight show after the event. What was your reaction to Cheeto Vera's win, the performance, the finish, the whole nine?
3: that dude's going to be a problem, man. <laughs> like, that was, that was my reaction. Cause that's, that's just the truth. Yes. Like, that's, that's it. Like Cheeto is one of those dudes who doesn't mind losing the battle. If he's going to win the war. And I thought Dominic Cruz did way better than I thought. Like I thought he might be tricky for a little bit, but that at the end of the day, he's just too old. He's too, pa- too far past it. But he, you know, like, like you said for two rounds was really doing very well. And even in that third round, fine. Uh, but it it just didn't matter at the end of the day because Marlon Vera is a finisher par excellence. Like, there aren't a lot of dudes who do it like him. And so unless you're going to be, like, a total defensive genius like Jose Aldo, you're going to have a bad time. And, like, I know – the honestly, one of the first things I thought and I think about at every fight of this Marlon Vera run – And it's dumb because I shouldn't think this, but like that's just how the MMA community has warped my brain, I guess. For like one of the first things I thought was like, and people still think this dude beating Sean O'Malley was a fluke. (laughs) Like he would bundle Sean O'Malley in a rematch. He's just that guy. Like he is going to fight for a title one day. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to win it, but he's a problem and he's incredibly fun to watch fight.
2: Evan, what did you think? Because my first reaction was, and it was almost the same reaction I had after the Rob Fawn fight, is this dude is a zombie. You can hit him a million times and it doesn't even affect him. The man doesn't even look like he fights. He shows up to these press conferences, doesn't even have a blemish on his face, no marks, no nothing. It doesn't even look like, it's like he's a guest fighter when he shows up to these press conferences. Even though he gets hit a bunch, it shows nothing. So what, what did you think of yet? Another fantastic performance. The man is just is just crushing it right now.
4: Oh man, he's he's spectacular, man. When he when he landed that head kick, uh, when when Dominic fell, I was like, oh my gosh, I was scared for Dominic's life. I mean, it was a rough one. Um, you know, I'm glad to see he's okay, but. Yeah, Chido is a absolute problem. You know, especially coming from like a fighter standpoint. Just uh, you know, going back and analyzing the fight, his eyes, his comfortability, uh, his his capability of switching stances. He, he's got power from from uh, orthodox and southpaw. Uh, he's constantly making reads. Like that's the most impressive thing is I think his ability to uh, to stay calm under pressure, and you can tell. He's he's always setting stuff up, you know. So going in, I think uh, in the third round, he really started seeing how much Dom was leading one way to one way or the other uh, when he was exiting, and uh, he threw a, a one three into a real lake roundhouse, almost caught him in the third round with it, and then he switched it up and did it to the other side. He dropped him with a jab in the fourth round, and uh, now we had him really worried about that left hand, and he started slipping outside that lead hand a lot, and he, I mean, he it caused him to lean straight into that high kick. Man, it was it was nice, but yeah, Cheeto is uh, he's an Absolute monster, and uh, you know I think he's definitely going to be fighting for the title
2: soon. So, this bantamweight division, Evan, is is just wild right now. There's a lot happening. We got the title fight coming up in October between Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. We got Piotr Jan, Shot O'Malley fighting on the same card. Jose Aldo is fighting Marab Dvalishvili this Saturday at UFC 278. What does this win, in your opinion, do for Cheeto Vera? Like, what's his next move? How do you think this shakes out?
4: You know, I I think there's a lot of unanswered questions. I think we're going to have to wait and see how a lot of things unfold. Um, You know, we have the Marab and Aldo fight coming up. Uh, You know, we're obviously going to have to see what happens there because Marab's is not going to fight Al Jermaine. So... Uh, you know, if he does win, I think it probably puts him a little bit closer, uh, you know, just out of out of technicality, just because um, he's not going to, uh, you know, he's not going to be fighting Aldo or Aljo. So uh, but, you know, if Aldo the wins, I think he's more uh, I think I think he deserves a shot more. Uh, and then, like you were saying, Peter Yan and Sean O'Malley, you know, we'll have to see how that unfolds. I think Peter Yan should take that. But who knows, man? I mean, that's. Uh, Sean O'Malley is, he's, I know, I think a lot of people discredit him because he's got such a big kind of like a hype train because of, uh, all the, the craziness behind him. You know, he's super, super flashy. Um, but he's, he's legitimately really good, man. He's legitimately really good. Uh, he's got really good, hard to read kicks. Uh, he's super long and tall for the weight division. Um, and, uh, you know, so he, he poses a lot of problems. man. That 135 divisions freaking stacked, you know, as is every division in the UFC, but especially 35, man, it's it's uh, I'm excited to see the way things unfold. But I think I, I think more than likely Cheeto is probably going to have to wait at least, you know, another fight, probably get another another fight uh before he gets to the title. But, um, you know, no matter what, I'm excited to see how all of it plays out because I think any matchup you make in the top, uh, you know, the top five or 10 is going to be freaking fireworks.
2: Yeah, a lot of congestion here, Jed. What's next for Marlon Vera? Is this a wait and see? Is there somebody that that stands out right now? The Shado O'Malley fight is one of those sort of back pocket fights. They can go to that well whenever they need to. If they need it for like a number one contender fight, they can just go to it. If they just need to fill a a big spot in a the card, they can go back to that pretty much anytime they want. Cause the story's there and people will watch that fight. So if you got the, the mighty pencil right now, what are we doing with Marlon Vera? Or is this like Evan said, a, a sort of wait and see thing.
3: You have to wait a little bit. Uh, it's really unfortunate is, is a short answer here. Cause Cheeto wants to stay active, which is great for us. The fans, we get to watch him. Uh, problem is like this run he has right now could have gotten him a title shot at different points in time. But there's just so much happening right in the mix at the top of the division that he's probably third in line, like, based on what shakes out next. Like, some of this is just going to depend on how, like, what, what the hell breaks, right? Because if Aldo beats Marab and Aljo retains his title over TJ Dillashaw, they are more than likely going to do Aldo versus Aljo. Like, that... Unless, somehow, Sean O'Malley upsets Piotr Jan. That's the number one. If Piotr Jan loses Sean O'Malley, Sean O'Malley is getting a title fight. It does not matter what the hell else is going on. That is almost a certainty. I don't think that's likely to happen. Um, And in that case, then, if Dillashaw beats Sterling, they probably give a title shot to Piotr Jan because they'll do the uh, Jan-Dillashaw thing. There's a little bit of juice there. And the UFC absolutely loves Piotr Jan, which then leaves Aldo sort of odd man outed, which sucks ass. Uh, So it all is going to break. But the end result is Marlon Vera is not going to get a fight, like not going to get a title fight. And unfortunately, I kind of think that any of the people he would fight next to get one are are likely to beat him, even though they will be really fun fights. I think the most likely outcome here is that Aldo gets the next title fight uh, and then Cheeto fights Piotr Jan in a title eliminator and that fight's going to rule but I do think Piotr Jan probably beats him Uh, but you know no wrong way to eat this Reese's really it's going to be great any way it goes down
2: yes and if I'm Cheeto just poke and prod Henry Cejudo just keep doing it over and over again because that fight makes so much sense like if Cejudo really wants to come back Henry Cejudo
3: isn't going to fight so, why are we talking about it? You said it yourself, Mike. You said, you said, or not. No, you were not going to talk about this man because he ain't for real. <laughs> he is all gas, just all smoke. He he don't want actual smoke, so don't talk about him because he ain't coming. And he damn sure isn't coming to fight Chio Vera. He'll he'll get the Twitter fingers going. But he's not going to fight that man because he wants to fight Dominic Cruz for a title fight or go. He wants a low risk fight against Alexander Volkanovsky because if he loses, there's it's no downside for him to lose that fight. But the win is it immeasurably high. He ain't going to fight Cheeto Vera, which offers a very little upside and tremendous downside to this greatest combat sports athlete of all time thing he's trying to parade about. That dude ain't doing it.
2: I'm trying to be more positive here about this situation. And then I can praise him a little bit because I have not praised him at all since this announcement of a comeback. But you mentioned it. Uh, last thing on the on this, Jed, w- what about Dominic Cruz? Because like we've talked about, he looked good in this one. He had success early on. Obviously a tough way to go out, tough video for him to have to go back and watch. But he hung with Cheeto for over three rounds, was winning the fight, heading into the fourth on all three scorecards. I saw a lot of Cruz slander, a lot of Cruz negativity after this fight. People were calling for him to retire, which to me seems super egregious. But his road to getting back to a title fight is much further of a journey now, and that's probably putting it lightly. Now what do we do with the former White champion?
3: Uh, I'm not certain his road back to a title fight is, is further away just because he's Dominic Cruz. I want to be extremely clear. I am a huge dominant Cruz hater. I was slandering that man all leading up to this fight. Uh, and I'll continue to do so forever because that's just how I feel. <laughs> uh, that being said, he is undeniably a darling of the UFC. He is one of the bigger names in the division. Um, historically, maybe the greatest bantamweight of all time. And so there are options for him. And I think if he gets one or two wins... He is for sure going to call for a title fight because that's just what Dominic Cruz does. And it's possible for him to do so. I think there are two, two possible answers here. I think the one that makes the most sense to me, and I don't think that there's a booking here yet, but Frankie Edgar wants to fight at Madison Square Garden and be done with his career. That is the fight that makes the most sense to me. You do it, it's two legends. Frankie even still has a ranking according to the UFC, so like that won't hurt Dom's aspirations in that regard. You just book that. The other possible here is if TJ Dillashaw loses to Aljamain Sterling, go ahead and run that one right on back. Uh, and and then you've got, like those are back pocket fights for him, and I think it makes the most sense for where he's at right now unless the UFC is just shot shot of him and are going to feed him to like Ricky Simone or something who will just beat the shit out of him.
2: Evan, what say you, if you have the matchmaking pencil here, Dominic Cruz versus blank, fill in the blank.
4: Man, I think the Frankie Edgar fight, uh, just like Jed was just saying, is is uh, almost a no brainer right now. Um, I think I do. I, I feel a little bit uh, uh, different about. I, I do think that takes him a little bit further away from the title this last loss, and uh, you know, with him being 37, I believe. You know, he's he's probably he's got to be approaching the end of his career. Um, not just because of his age, but, you know, his years in the game. Uh, dude's a true legend and is, is a pioneer. And, um, man, he, he did – with that. With all that being said, man, he, I thought he looked great in that fight. I was very impressed. And he was uh, – I mean, he was definitely up uh, the, uh, the first two rounds for sure. And he was doing great. You know, even whenever – even when he was getting rocked, you know, he was staying right there in the fight. He wasn't shying away from nothing and then just, you know, got got caught bad. You know, I don't think – and I don't think he just got caught. You know, I'm not saying uh, Cheeto got lucky by any means. You know, I think he very strategically set that up. But, um, you know, I think that I think the uh, I think the Dillashaw fight is definitely sellable. You know, so if Dillashaw loses, which is a good uh, there's a good possibility, um, I think that's an easy matchup. And that would actually really put him right back in in the running for, uh, you know, title contention. Um, you know, but right. Yeah. Those two, you know, those two options are probably, uh, you know, the only two that I think are going to be, or or the best two anyways, because I do think unfortunately, uh, a lot of other matchups in the, in the, in the top five, top 10 are going to be rough for Dom. Um, but you know, with all that being said, you know, he, he impressed the shit out of me on, uh, you know, whenever he just fought Cheeto. So, uh, we'll see.
2: I would love the Frankie Edgar fight. That's a fight I need to see before either or both men retire. I just don't know if it's going to be too soon after getting brutally knocked out. I mean, it's still three months away, but still, that was a very bad knockout. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And listen, Cody Garbrandt's fighting Ronnie Yaya October 1st. Garbrandt comes back and gets a win. Maybe we run that one back too. I mean, he does have some options, but...
3: I um, mean if Jed but wh- what if Ronnie Aya knocks out Cody Garbrandt <laughs> like you're coming on the post fight show because I would love oh to hear your god to that. that'll be the best it'll be the funniest thing that's ever happened in the sport if Ronnie Aya knocks out Cody Garbrandt
2: <laughs> well then there you go then Ronnie Aya could fight Dominic Cruz and who you would remember, want to watch that do you
3: remember when Cody Garbrandt was going to fight Davis and Figueredo Jesus that was going to be the most fun I've ever had watching a fist fight just get launched to the moon <laughs> <laughs> been hilarious.
2: Well, listen, UFC San Diego was a lot of fun. The battle of the Yasmin's was tremendous. Nate Landwehr, David Onama, absolutely insane. We saw some good finishes, good card. But the UFC is back on pay-per-view on Saturday, and that's where we're going to be heading for a little bit. The point for round one goes to... goes to the fighter evan elder on the board it's one to nothing like we get the fighter's that. Perspective. generous very generous but you obviously haven't watched the show very long you know that these points ultimately <laughs> at the end of the day don't mean anything it all comes down to the very end but unless jed's hosting that we we don't go yes. down to the very end
1: and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: That's right. But (laughs) let's go to UFC 278, Salt Lake City, Utah. This Saturday, welterweight title on the line. Kamar Usman defends against Leon Edwards. It's been actually really interesting seeing and hearing the views on this fight, Evan, because I host a morning show on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, and a lot of people who have called in this week feel that not only does Leon Edwards have a chance to win this fight, but he has a very good chance to win this fight, which is kind of shocking to me. And we'll talk about some of the intangibles as to why in a moment, but... I guess you're right off the bat. How much of a chance are you giving Leon Edwards in this fight and why?
4: I mean, I'm definitely not counting him out. Uh, you know, he, his last fight with the law, uh, man, he looked phenomenal. I really wish, uh, I'm sorry, not his last fight, fought Nate last, uh, but recent fight, uh, he looked phenomenal, man. And, uh, I I was really, I really, really wish that didn't end so unfortunately with the eye poke. Uh, And it was bad. I mean, it was a bad eye poke and, you know, and uh, Bilal was a freaking warrior, man. He would have fought. He would have, that dude still wanted to fight with no eye, I'm sure. Um, But uh, that would have really tested or or gave me a little more insight on how well he's going to do to start, you know, to defend the takedowns of Usman. Because I think that's ultimately what Usman's going to avert to early on, uh, just in my opinion. Because I think that, I think that Leon has, uh... Uh, an advantage in the speed department and uh, and in the length. So I think that right off the bat, uh, he might be able to 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 pose a little bit of a problem with, with Kamaru striking. Uh, so I think Kamaru is going to try to close the distance, clinch with him. He's got to watch for those uh, elbows, those short tight elbows that Leon's so good at timing and, and you know, hitting off uh, hitting off the, the, the brakes. Um, but if he can grapple him up for a round or two, I think Kamaru – is the much mentally stronger, more, more consistent fighter as the fight will go on. Uh, and I think that as the, the longer the fight goes, the more it plays into Usman's favor. So, I mean, I think, uh, man, Usman, in my opinion, he, he's, uh, he's a pound for pound number one for a reason, man. Uh, I think the biggest thing that separates him more than anybody, you know, the reason that man is who he is, is, is his mind, his, uh, you know, obviously he's got all the, the technical skills but that dude's mind is, is different. You know, you know, what's amazing is that, that, uh, you know, it's so easy to have an off night in the sport. You know, you come out, you're, you're – uh, you know, whether the, the nerves get to you, you know, the emotions are, are high, you had a bad weight cut, uh, you know, you had just life going on throughout fight camp, gotten stuff got in the way, whatever it may be. It's very easy to have an off night. And I'm sure that Kamaru Usman has had an off night in the cage, but that man is – his mind is so strong, he's so different, that he is yet to really show it, you know. And uh, I, I think that that is really going to be – the biggest factor in this fight if leon doesn't just clip him and take him out early uh which is still you know definitely a uh, possibility because uh especially with the high kicks if he can come out i think if leon comes out just hot and just tries putting him away he has a chance of catching him but i think if it goes long at all i think Kamara is gonna pull
2: away jed for longtime viewers of this program and and many of the other great <laughs> programs on the ma <laughs> fighting network you yeah, have proudly and I mean proudly, driven the nobody cares about Leon Edwards monster truck. And you've done this for as long as I have worked with you. They don't. And, f- and for Spot a while. The lie, my-
3: Spot the lie,
2: Spot the lie. For a while, you felt like Usman would, would would go on and win this fight, and Edwards' title hopes would be in the rearview mirror. However, I did listen to No Bets Bard. At least, it was a long show, so I haven't listened to all of it, but I did listen to you guys discuss the main event. And you, like a lot of others that I've spoken with this week, feel that Leon has a pretty good chance to win this fight here. Why do you feel that way?
3: I don't think he has a pretty good chance to win this fight. I think he has a chance to win this fight. Um, A lot of that is me fading Kamaru, because I've been kind of ready to do that for a while now, because it's mostly the intangible stuff, right? So Kamaru's 35 or 36, not sure which, um, but he's he's certainly getting older, uh, especially the light of the weight class, the less you can age gracefully historically. Um, his knees are bad and he's been pretty open about that. And his performances have been worse in all of his recent fights. Colby Covington uh, came out like a house on fire, but I think everyone just sort of forgets the, the back half of that fight where Kamaru kind of got beat up by colby covington as the fight went down the stretch there like just because he was so dominant early over over covington and gilbert burns obviously dropped him at least once maybe a couple of times um and, and had him in real trouble and the jorge masvidal re you know rematch was we all forget because of that was the ko of the year or whatever but that first round was really competitive and I have respect for Hori Masvidal in general. I don't think he's anywhere close to a top actual welterweight in the world. Uh, and so that gives me a lot of concern that the Usman's performances are less the sort of dominant, especially the dominant gr- grappling heavy performances that that he had in his whole rise up. You know, like he, he just hasn't been shooting a lot of takedowns or, or doing any of that. And against... I think there's some of that's probably style matchup right like he doesn't want to go to the ground with Gilbert Burns who's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion and Colby Covington rest like you just don't wrestle him defensively wrestle he's a better better striker etc but I don't know man like I think he needs to do that against Edwards because I, I, I think Kamaru Usman can win anywhere this fight goes I guess is is my take on it because he is the more powerful striker I think Leon Edwards is a technically superior striker to Kamaru but he also has some like huge defensive liabilities at points in time. And the big issue for Edwards is Edwards can't really hurt people. Like he's done it sometimes, but he doesn't he hasn't done it in like 10 years or something. Like he doesn't have one hitter quitter really hurt you on the feet power. And so I don't think he can come out and just try and blow the doors off Usman because like that's not his game. He he just wants to kind of out kickbox you. But again, he has defensive liabilities, like he has lapses. That's why, like everyone talks about the Nate Diaz, you know, almost put him away in the last minute. And that is absolutely true because Leon just sort of, I don't know, had a brain fart or whatever and got got clocked. Nate was clocking him a lot in the middle section of that fight. He was getting outshot like a ton, but he was having moments where he was landing big shots in this in the third, fourth round as well. Because sometimes Leon just just loses the plot a little bit in the exchanges. If he does it against Kamar Usman, he's going to get obliterated. Like that's Usman is not a brilliantly like a brilliant striker, but he's a a very decent one for MMA. He has a very very solid jab. He's got a lot of power and he's really good eyes, really good timing in the space. So I think Usman can win this on the feet if he can get the grappling going. It's his to lose. But I do think that if Edwards can fight a really good fight he is in a good position here because I think the leg kicks can be really effective for him. I think he could jab with Usman. And I think if he can take this into the later rounds, he can, the leg kicks can start taking advantage in Usman who I feel faded against Colby Covington. Even when Colby wasn't pushing a big pace at that fight, like I think Leon can maybe have success there. The, my fundamental issue here is that I think Leon has to fight close to a perfect fight. And I think Kumar does not have to fight close to a perfect fight to win. And so I think Leon has a chance, but like it's really hard to say that you're going to fight 25 perfect minutes against arguably the best fighter in the world right now. Like that's a really tall task.
2: You guys talked about sort of the, the the technical breakdown and the technical deficiencies between these two guys, but I want to go back to you, Jed, because a lot of the reason why people are telling me that they like Leon Edwards to win this fight is because Usman has a lot going on right now. He has big aspirations in and out of the octagon. He says he wants to be bigger than The Rock. He's been talking about moving to 205, landed a cool guest spot in a, in a big movie. He's talked about boxing Canelo Alvarez. And I need Jed real quick. I'll go to you, Evan. I will definitely get your opinion on this. Let me get Jed's pretty face on here. Um, and there are a lot of people throughout this build, Leon Edwards included, who feel like Usman's head essentially just might not be fully in the game here. And when you're locked in a cage with another person, that's bad news. you know. And you talked about he's had knee injury, knee issues. He's had the hand injury that's kept him out since late last year. He's a win away from tying Anderson Silva's win streak record. He's looking to keep cementing this legacy that's so important to him. And he feels like he's the best fighter on the planet. He feels like he's the best welterweight of all time. And if he loses on Saturday, Jed, all of that goes away. Every bit of it, everything he's built towards, gone. So to play devil's advocate, Usman is a competitor. And you've talked a lot about how difficult it is for a long-reigning champion to continue to be a long-reigning champion. And with the success that these guys have comes a little bit of mental warfare. And he's got Leon biting a little bit, feeling like, Maybe Usman's head is is not really in the game here. Is there a chance that there is some mental warfare being played by Kamar Usman, some gamesmanship on Usman's part heading into Saturday, maybe making Leon believe that this is going to be a little bit easier of a time than than a lot of people thought it might be?
3: I doubt it just because I don't know what the point and purpose would be because I, I don't I, – If you ever talk to Leon Edwards, like that dude fundamentally believes he is the best fighter in the world. Like he – there's not an ounce of question in his soul. And so it's not – he doesn't need any validation or any thoughts he's going to have easier. Like this is – Leon Edwards knows he is never getting a title fight again. Like this is it. And that's why I say all the time that the hardest thing to do in professional sports is be a long-reigning champion. Like it is – you're getting everybody's best shot every time up and even if that dude who's actually doing it is one of the not even a top 20 all-time guy at that weight doesn't matter he has spent his whole life focusing on this moment you're going to get the absolute pinnacle of him and leon edwards knows without a shadow of a doubt how long it took him to get here the fact that he really only got here in some parts because he's he's been very lucky with timing and he that the UFC didn't just decide to push Hamzat over him instead. He knows that this is it. This is his one shot, and he is going to do everything possible to win this fight. And to to speak to Evan's point earlier, I don't give a ton of credence to the Usman's overlooking him thing just because Usman is a very focused guy in that regard. And I think that he recognizes that this is probably the win that seals everything for him um, in a lot of respects. Because if he gets this win, he probably doesn't have to fight Hamzat, <laughs> and, which would be very helpful for him because I think Hamzat beats him. But uh, yeah, I kind of just don't think – I think this is just Kamaru saying what's in his heart, which is, yeah, man, like I'm going to – this is it. I'm going to focus. I'm going to fight this guy but I have these other aspirations because I think I'm great and I will see if he gets to do any of them. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's gamesmanship. I think it's just him speaking his truth.
2: What do you think, Evan? Like how have you gauged Usman's approach from a fighter's perspective and, and sort of to Jed's point, who has more pressure on them? Is it Usman trying to continue to cement this legacy or is it a guy like Leon Edwards who, like Jed said, this is, this is probably it. Like you've worked all this time to get to a title fight they finally went with you. If you don't get it done here, you may not get another shot.
4: Yeah, honestly, to that point, I think uh, I think the more of the pressure would probably uh, just from this fight alone. You know, I think the pressure would probably be more on Usman just because I feel like you know he's a pound for pound you know number one fighter in the world. Uh, he's trying to submit this legacy, and I feel like he has more to lose. You know, but. Exactly like like Jed was saying, this is probably Leon's only shot. So, you know, this is it. And uh, for that reason, I think more of the pressure probably is on Leon. Um, but with that being said as well, you know, Leon truly believes that he's the best fighter, best welterweight in the world, you know. So um, who knows how he's carrying that mentally because – uh, if he really truly believes that, maybe he maybe he's not as put not putting as much pressure on himself as, uh, as we may think you know saying that this is his only shot uh, maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't care if he loses he'll be, he's willing to work his way back you know like even if even if it takes forever um, even though I feel like that's very unlikely and uh, you know it, it's I think I think there's a lot of pressure for both guys um, but I don't necessarily I do think that that all the stuff that Usman has going on, uh, man, life gets in the way a lot, you know, it's when you're, when you're training, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's always a full-time job, you know, training two, three times a day, uh, cutting weight. I mean, it's a lifestyle. So if you have a lot of other stuff going on, pulling you other directions, man, it, it's, it's difficult, you know, because it's, it's a lot of stuff that people don't realize, you know, you're not just going to the gym, you know, like, oh, i got to get my hour workout in, you know, twice a day, it's two hours out of the day. Right you know, but it's, it's not, it's, it's, you're getting there 30 minutes to an hour early to warm up, to prevent injuries. You know, you're staying 30 minutes to an hour after getting some extra reps, extra work, uh, stretching out, you know, to, to also, you know, do some prehab, prevent injuries from happening. Um, so with that alone, you're there, it's not just a one hour practice; It's a two, three hour practice twice a day. On top of that, you're going home to eat, eat correctly because you got to cut weight. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't, it's hard to eat out whenever you're trying to cut weight. You know, there's all kinds of freaking Everywhere you go, you know uh, it's it's very challenging to to eat super correct to actually cut weight the way we have to. Um, so you're most likely going to be going right home, or you need to anyways uh, to to eat your eat, eat the correct food. You're probably going to rest in between training, uh, and then super underlooked. What a lot of people don't think about is how important rest is. Uh, you know, so it's like you need to be getting you know, eight hours of sleep a night is, is like a minimum. That's, that's, that's what the average person should be really getting, you know, uh, to proper properly recover, let alone a full time professional athlete that's demanding so much out of their body. You know, it might, it's, it's not, it's not crazy to think that, uh, you know, we don't need nine or 10 hours of rest some days, you know? So it's a, it's a full, it's a full 24 hour job, you know, whenever you incorporate rest and recovery and, uh, you know, warming up, stuff after practice, obviously the training, uh, the nutrition aspect, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle, man. So it definitely hundred percent makes things a lot, lot harder whenever you have a lot of stuff going on in, in life, you know, and that's life. And, uh, to Jed's point, I think it's unbelievably difficult to be a long reigning champion because for one, you have that people are freaking, people have a blueprint, you know, you're the person that everybody's preparing for and, uh, they're, you're the person that they're trying to take out. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I. would say both both guys have an immense amount of pressure on them. Uh, I think both of them are freaking handling it well. You know, they're they're. Uh, that's why they're two of the greatest fighters in the world. Um, it's because their their mental capability. Um, but I would say more of the pressure probably lies on Usman as far as uh, how much he has to lose. I don't think that. I, I think that uh, people expect him to beat Leon. So. Um, Leon has less to lose for sure. But, you know, with that being said, Leon might not be able to get another title shot. So this might be his only chance.
2: Last thing on this before we move on. Evan, if Usman wins and Shemaev wins, true or false, that's the next fight.
4: Yeah, I feel like almost undoubtedly. You know, the freaking, the Tamaev train is just freaking full steam ahead. You know, nobody's stopping that thing. Uh, there's so much hype around him, and rightfully so, man. The dude is, that dude's earned it. He's a, he's a killer. Um, that's a, that's a crazy fight. And um, I do think, uh, I think that's 100%. I, I don't see any other matchup being made if
2: Uzman uh, wins this weekend. Jed, better chance he fights Shemaev if both guys win. Or he goes to 205 and fights somebody else?
3: So on the whole 205 tip, I get it. I, I recognize this is a thing. And cool, good for him. Like I think it's at least funny gimmick. Um, and maybe not a gimmick because like that's a barren wasteland of a division. So who the hell knows? He could probably do okay there. Uh, I think we're really just overlooking the middleweight's really like truly an option for him. Because I know he doesn't want to fight Israel Ad- Adesanya. But Israel Disney you know, has a fight against dudes beating him twice. That's coming up. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If Alex Bejeta obliterates it, like just knocks Izzy's head off, Izzy doesn't get a middleweight title fight again. Like, I'm sorry. You just don't. Because I know the kickboxing MMA are not the same sports. But at that point, one guy has clearly won the rivalry. I know that there's not the grappling, but Izzy ain't going to shoot a double and jits him on the floor or whatever. He's just going to get knocked out again. So at that point, Izzy then, what's he left to do? Let's say, I guess maybe I'll actually make my move to 205, which then opens the door for our guy Kamaru to come up to middleweight and face Alex Pejeta. And that is a huge fight. If Pejeta knocks out Izzy and Usman's like, I'm going to come up, I'm going to get revenge for my boy, Yeah, you can't grapple for shit (laughs) and I'm going to show that to be true. That is, I think, a bigger fight than the Hamzat fight, frankly, like if that goes down. So I think there's a world where that could be what happens depending on the timelines that everything breaks. Uh, But I will say the most likely scenario here is that we get Usman Shumayev at the end of the year. Or or maybe early next year, which kind of sucks because I think Jemaya is going to beat him, and then that takes the Usman Baheda uh, fight potentially off the board, which would be incredibly fun.
2: More on this card in round three. That's a bold statement that
3: Usman Pereira would be bigger than Usman Jemaya. Maybe you're right. We'll see. If if, if beats Izzy, like if they did it right now, it wouldn't be. But if Baheda goes and knocks out Izzy, that dude is that dude is a star star in this sport and the storyline you can build behind it 100 percent think so also because we're about to go to the point uh i do think it's interesting that neither of us mentioned that these two dudes have fought before um and i think oh, yeah. that that is actually like i think that in in any of those situations i always feel like the person who won the first one like far more than i think usman's overlooking him because he's in movies or whatever. I think it's like Usman already beat this dude convincingly and Edwards has a chip on his shoulder because of that. Like, that is far more at play to me than the, he's talking about 205 and Canelo stuff.
2: Fair point. Let's move to the rest of the card. Point for round two goes to... Gotta go with Jed here. It's one-to-one. I compelling insight on this main event. So Jed, let's talk about the co-main event because there is an awful lot going on here. It's becoming the most anticipated fight on the card. The always interesting Paulo Costa looking for his first win in three years, taking on Luke Rockhold, who returns for the first time in three years and looking for his first win in five years, both guys making a lot of headlines for stuff outside of this fight Paulo Costa, social media game is just incredible, leaves his manager to be repped by his girlfriend. There's questions on whether or not he could even make 186, although he's very confident he will tomorrow morning. And he confirmed yesterday at the media day, last fight on his deal. And now we have Luke Rockhold, who has been very vocal, chastising the UFC, chastising media members, chastising the UFC's business practices, He had a crazy interview with Helwani. His media day was the most talked about by far. How much more interesting has this fight become due to the build to it, especially this week?
3: It's way more interesting now than I thought I would think it was on like Sunday. Uh, First, let me start here. You talk about both these dudes are looking for a win. Uh, Both of them are looking for an ounce of body fat because this is an all-body beautiful matchup right here. Because Paulo Costa is shredded. If you have not seen his social media posts, if if he can't make 186, there's no way. Like he's either going to or can't because he has nothing to lose <laughs> here for that. Uh, and same for Rockel. They are both just sh- absolutely shredded. So uh, I just wanted to start there because uh, respect for what for what they've accomplished <laughs> in the gyms beforehand. Uh, <laughs> second, uh, this fight has gotten oddly more compelling outside of the stuff that they're talking about, uh, which is, I mean, that was always at least interesting because Paulo Acosta is kind of a head case and Luke Rockhold is head case might not be the right word. Um, he's something, he's something. And, uh, so they're like, that always made this a little bit interesting. Uh, I also found it interesting. I wrote about it for the site this morning. Both Michael Bisping and Anthony Smith, two gentlemen who don't particularly care for Luke Rockhold, though I know Bisping and Rockhold have kind of squashed their beef now. Uh, Anthony Smith still hates hates the dude. Uh, both of them think he's going to beat Costa, which is uh, flies in the face to me of logic, reason, and history. Uh, but I can see the argument because, like I said, I said it on No Bet's Bard, great podcast. Go check it out earlier this week. Uh, and I've said it for years, and I will continue to say it because I I genuinely believe it to be true. Luke Rockhold is the most predatory offensive grappler I have ever seen in this sport. That includes Bivner Megamedov. That includes, I mean, John Jones back in the day when he would take people down and elbow them in the face. If you watch Luke Rockhold fight, every single second that he is on top of a human being, it is dire straits for the guy on bottom. Like, it is an animal planet, pride of lions attacking a gazelle. Like, it is... Watch him beat Chris Weidman to death. It was horrifying to watch that. Weidman was winning the fight through a stupid spin kick, got got taken down, and the fight was basically over from that moment on. And Chris Weidman can grapple. He is a good grappler, and it does not matter. That dude is a whole other world of offensive grappling if he's got top position. And he just, we, he tried to do it to Deion but he's not, a, he's not a takedown guy. And so if he finds his way on top of Paulo Costa, he is going to kill Paulo Costa. Like, I have zero doubts. If you told me coming into this fight, Luke Krakow will end up on top at one point. I'm like, cool, he wins the fight, guaranteed. But I don't know that he can do it And another thing that I don't know he can do is see see left hooks because every time someone throws one at him, it knocks him out. And Paulo Costa is pretty good at punching people really hard. Uh, So I I think that Paulo Costa is going to win this fight. The matchup is very compelling. And the fact that they are both talking so much, not even about each other really, but sort of at each other, like – offshooting of each other while Luke is really focused on his UFC thing and who the hell knows what Paulo Costa is focused on uh it has become an odd like oddly more compelling than just about any other fight on the card and so I'm I'm here for it like a fight that I thought I was not going to be that excited about I am far more interested in come Saturday
2: Evan how is your intrigue built for this fight in particular on Saturday
4: yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like it's definitely the definitely very intriguing. Now, um, uh, you know, I, it's much more so than I originally anticipated. Uh, I, I actually really like both fighters, uh, so I was already excited for the fight. Um, but you know, as far as how it's going to play out, I think there's a lot of different very vari- variables. Um, I think that paulo Costa's either going to uh come out really hot because you know he's probably probably very frustrated and uh feels like he's got something to prove after getting freaking dominated um but uh so i think that can either be played to his advantage if he can back Rockhold up and uh get him up against the cage kind of take away his movement i think that he could really probably do a lot of damage and i don't think luke's chin might not hold up um but with that being said uh, if he comes out too hot and is just walking into stuff and is you know being mindless whenever he's you know kind of being a little too reckless uh, with his aggression which is a you know definitely a possibility because like jed was saying you know he's definitely a little bit of a head case and I don't like that you know he's had so many excuses for the reasons that he's lost um man that's that's one of my favorite things about fighting man is just like Dude, there's, there's no excuses, you know, no matter what it was. If you got in the cage ready to fight, I mean, it's it's extreme ownership. Everything 100% is on you. You know, that's the way it is. And uh, so I don't like that. I, I don't like all the excuses. And I think that that actually shows a uh, – I think that actually shows a little bit of a uh, flaw or a weakness in his, in his mindset, which I believe is the most important thing when it comes to fighting. Uh, and, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, I do think Luke Rockhold is probably the more – technical fighter, Uh, but like I was saying, I worry about the pressure and um, you know Paulo Acosta being able to break him a little bit uh, but I think if Luke Rockwell can stay on the outside attack calf kicks not get backed up make sure to be moving angles not taking more than one or two steps straight back he has to as soon as he takes one or two steps straight back he has to change an angle and get the hell away from the cage because I think if, if he can get uh, if, if Paulo Acosta gets him up against the cage and starts unleashing I think there's a really good chance that Costa puts him away but uh, man the fight has definitely got way more interesting here lately so I'm super excited to see the way it plays out and uh honestly i i could really see it going either way because like i said i think that i think luke rockhold is definitely the more technical fighter and as jed was saying if he gets it to the ground that dude is an absolute savage like it is unbelievable uh you know the the the, the level of mma grappling not just jiu-jitsu or you know any other type of just you know combat grappling but MMA, MMA grappling is very different. Whenever you got, whenever you can be on top of somebody and, and just beat them up, things change a lot, you know. Uh, so, I think if he gets it to the ground, I think it's it's going to be Luke Rockhold easy. Uh, but getting it there might be a problem, and uh, I think Paulo Costa has got to come out and put pressure on him, but got to be very smart. He can't just be walking forward and walking in the shots. He's got to be cutting off the cage and trying to find a way to get luke to the cage
2: who needs this one more evan obviously it's important for both guys all you fighters say that every fight is a must win that's that's the mentality you guys have but who needs to win more you have paul costa who has not want to fight in a long time still hasn't really gotten over the loss to adesanya he's betting on himself last fight on his deal or luke rockhold coming back after three years, who, by the way, if you look at this middleweight division right now, if Israel Asanya beats Alex Pereira at UFC 281 and Luke Rockhold goes out there and finishes Paulo Costa, there is a real world that we live in that Luke Rockhold could find himself in a title fight mm-hmm. sometime next year. So who needs most, this one more? Most
3: likely scenario, not even a real world. Like, that's the most likely outcome.
2: 100%. That's crazy. If
3: both, if both of those two things happen... Luke Rockhold is getting a title fight.
2: Yes. So who needs it some more? Yeah. I
4: I think, in my opinion, I think Paulo Costa needs it more uh, because I think Luke has a lot of stuff going on outside of MMA and he's had such a, lo- a good career. Uh, you know, another veteran pioneer of the sport. And, uh, it, you know, dude, if, if worst case scenario happens, he comes out, gets slept or whatever, dude, I, I don't think it's going to ruin him, you know. Uh, but I do think, on the other hand, Paulo Costa – I think he's. I think a big part of why he he has so many excuses for when he loses, and uh, why I think that's such a big flaw in his in his uh, mindset is because I think that he identifies. This is his identity. Like this is not just a role. This isn't something he does. This is a, his identity, which is seems uh, on the surface like it'd be a good thing. You know, you want to have. Uh, this is the you know the, your only purpose for living. Like this is who you are. I'm a fighter, but. When things go wrong, I feel like that can really weigh on you heavy and really cause you uh, you know, a lot of a lot of stress on your mind to to, you know, not be able to think clearly and that's why I was saying that. I think that he might come out and be a little too aggressive and not be, you know, clearly thinking cuz all he's thinking about is like I have to win, not thinking about how to win but have to win. And I think that it, I think that it definitely is much more detrimental uh for paulo costa to lose this fight than luke rockhold because like i saying i think luke's got a lot of other stuff going on i think he's already had super impressive career um paulo costa i feel like still has a lot to offer and i feel like if he loses this fight it's really gonna take away from his career you know if, if he doesn't it's gonna put him you know hopefully he doesn't get cut obviously but you know who knows and uh I, th- I think much more pressure is on Paulo Costa to win this fight than Luke Rockhold.
2: Jed, do you agree with that?
3: Mm, I mean in the – in like life, yeah, because I think everything Evan said right there is correct. Like Luke Rockhold has other things to do in his life and I don't know that Paulo Costa does. Um, I think the flip side of the argument here really is if Luke Rockhold loses this, he, maybe he fights again but like he's – he is never going to be a real going concern uh, in the middleweight division again. He's thirty-seven or something like that. He's like older, knocked out. If he loses, he's gonna get knocked out. So, but knocked out four of his last five fights. Like, if he loses it, then all of the because Evan Evan has said not incorrectly about Paulo Costa excuses. Luke is not a man opposed to excusing some of his outcomes as well, <laughs> and he has talked a lot. You know bravely and openly about some of the struggles he faced and how that adversely affected him uh but when the rubber hits the road if he goes in there and gets got again like then maybe that wasn't the the the, the issues aren't all the other stuff that are affecting you it is that your your defense is bad you keep getting punched in the face and you're not able to to do that very well and so i In the strictly MMA sense, I do think Luke Rockhold has the most to lose here. Uh, I would also say that this would be the worst. Like all of Luke Rockhold's other losses are fairly explicable. Jan Blachowicz, light heavyweight champion. Uh, Yoel Romero, you know, we all know my love for Yoel Romero. Uh, Michael Bisping. Hall of Famer like Vitor Belfort probably not going to actually be in the Hall of Fame because of everything, but like a legitimate MMA Hall of Famer like those are all very explicable losses. Paulo Costa is one that is a much much tougher pill to swallow.
2: I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Jose Aldo taking on Muradov really real quick.
3: You're you're, you're damn straight. <laughs> we better talk about the goat.
2: Well, I mean. I think I don't like talking about this fight because it's a damn travesty that Jose Aldo is not fighting for a title right now. But this is still an interesting fight. It's the purest main event. This is the intercontinental title fight of UFC 278. Jed, I know how highly you think of Jose Aldo and when this fight was announced. And even now, a lot of people feel like Barab is just going to smush Jose Aldo for 15 minutes. And I just ain't buying it. I'm just not buying it. So please, I want you to paint us a word picture. How is this fight going down on Saturday?
3: I, my deep and abiding Jose Aldo fandom and love uh, refuses to let me see a world where Marab Valashvili wins this fight. Um, but there's a great fear that at some point the, the feel-good story comes to an end. And she's like, oh yeah, like, I know he's not technically that old, but he is ancient in fight years. Uh, and Morab's this new breed. But I, even all that being said, my brain still thinks that Jose Aldo is supposed to win this fight. Like, Murab Nalashvili is a very good fighter. I'm very highly ranked uh, in the MMA Fighting Rankings, great website, great rankings. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think his game works if he can't score takedowns. Like, I, his striking is mostly enthusiasm um, and a willingness to do it. And that counts for a lot, especially in MMA. But, like, he is not a technical savant. And we saw Marlon Marais tune him up. Like, Marlon Marais was just banging him all around the cage for a good little stretch of time until Marab you know, ended up turning the tide with getting on top and, and wearing him down from there. Uh, but he gets hit a lot I just don't think his striking skills line up well against Jose Aldo, who I think is inarguably the greatest defensive fighter in the history of the sport. Uh, I think he is going to be able to counter Marab on the feet. And I don't know if you know this, Jose Aldo, pretty damn good at not allowing the whole takedown thing, um, built a career off of winning this exact style matchup. And if, if Jose loses, it is probably just a, a factor of times change and he's a little older and Rob is still in his athletic prime. And that's just how it goes. But I think that this is a good style matchup for him. If he wasn't going to get a title fight, which I think he a hundred percent should have gotten. I think this is the best other fight he could have gotten in this regard.
2: What do you think, Gavin? How do you see this one going down? Yeah,
4: I, I, uh, I completely agree hundred percent. I think that, uh, he's already made a career fighting guys exactly like this you know i i think i think what would play what would make us a, a a big di- make a big difference in this fight is if Mirab's striking was just a little bit better to set up the takedowns better but unfortunately i don't think it is and i think with how defensively sound jose aldo is and how great his takedown defense which i think correlate you know they go hand in hand he's very very defensively sound so he doesn't get caught off guard to where they can set up the takedowns as much so uh i don't see mirab being able to take him down like everybody's thinking um i think he's gonna be i think jose aldo is gonna come out and just like marlon morales he's gonna he's gonna uh you know start laying a lot of strikes i i really see it ending pretty quick uh, you know maybe not very quick uh first round but um i don't see it going past the second round i think jose aldo is going to put him out um whether it be uh that. you know just just piecing them piecing him up on the feet uh or catching him timing something as he's shooting in uh but i think that i think that jose aldo is really going to start touching him up and then Marab's going to have to just start getting really desperate diving in on shots That's going to be even easier to defend and uh you know, with all due respect to Rob, because I think he's amazing, but I just I am also a huge Jose Aldo fan, and just stylistically, I think that it it is a bad matchup for Rob.
2: A lot of love for for Jose Aldo. I'll give my breakdown of the fight. It hasn't changed since the fight was announced. I feel exactly the same today as I did when we first saw the fight poster, and I will reveal that on the preview show tomorrow. We still got so much to talk about. Rapid fire potpourri round coming up next. The point for round three goes to. Two straight for Jed Mishu. It's two to one. Good round. Building momentum. Yes, but we all know it's about to happen here, so we'll just have some fun. All right, this is a rapid-fire round. We're going to touch on a couple of these for as long as time permits, some other news and notes in the sport of MMA. Evan, I'll begin with you with this question. We found out on Monday on the MMA Hour that Shane Burgos is no longer a UFC fighter. He is signed with the PFL. Your reaction to Shane Burgos turning the page and going after that Millie?
4: Man, I can't believe it. Hurricane Shane, man. I love that dude. I think he's one of the most exciting fighters. That dude's got the heart of a warrior. You will never see him in a boring fight. And uh, I can't believe he's not with the UFC anymore, but I do think that he could make a very good career in PFL because, you know, PFL has not only got a lot of talent, but uh, obviously they have the million dollar tournament and I think he has a very good shot of winning that. So, uh, you know, I hope all the best for him because man, I'm a big fan of Shane. So, uh, you know, nothing but good wishes.
2: Jed, same question. And I want to add a little caveat to this because it is very rare that Dana White goes on in a public forum and says that the promotion made a mistake because they have, he has said on multiple occasions, I'm not sure he's ever done it
3: before. Uh, but he's not in sure here. Shane never admitted fault before.
2: Were you surprised by the decision? And are you surprised about Dana's reaction to Burgos moving on?
3: I am absolutely flabbergasted that Dana White admitted fault because he's just never done that. That's not who he is. Uh, I'm not surprised by Shane Burgos' his decision because I'd like to read you a tweet uh, that I made on uh, this past weekend when I was covering the PFL for MMAfighting.com website. Uh, and... We're going to take one of the words out of the tweet. The tweet is, if you're a heavyweight of any ability, why in God's name wouldn't you sign with the PFL immediately and win $1 million? Like, Sergei Spivak, come be a millionaire instead of being a top 10-ish heavyweight. And well, I said that specifically about heavyweight because uh, Ante Delaja is facing Matthias Shuffle uh, and for a $1 million, I want to be clear, for one million American dollars. Conte, Elijah, and Matthew's Shuffle are fighting. Cannot stress that number enough. Uh, I was like, I don't know why any good-ish, but, like, just a guy who's self-aware enough to be like, I'm probably not going to beat Francis Ngannou. And, frankly, I'm probably not even going to get a title fight at him. Like... I should just go go get a million dollars, and <laughs> I said that about the heavyweights because it's the most obvious at heavyweight because it is, like, you know, uh, Featherweight has some really good fighters in the PFL, actually. Uh, Chris Wade, and Lonnie are about, like, they're good guys, so it is much more difficult there, but... Shane Burgos has a way, 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 way better chance of becoming a millionaire by signing with the PFL than he ever did at being in the UFC. So not surprised at all. Way to go, Shane Burgos. You made a good business decision.
2: All right. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Jed, if you could only watch one fight card on Saturday, what are you watching? PFL PFL, or BKFC London?
3: Oh, oh, so I don't get the UFC, okay. No, you don't. <laughs> because I was going to say, like, the UFC card is, the main card is really good. Everything else is pretty mid. Uh, I mean, it has to be the PFL, I guess. Um, I've never been a huge BAKFC guy. I know a lot of people love it, and that's good for you for all. Uh, I was a little more sold after uh, On the MMA Hour, great program. Uh, go check that out. Uh, Ariel did face <laughs> off with uh, with Mike Perry and MVP, and Mike Perry, just a hilarious individual. Uh, either intention, either the funniest intentional person ever, or the just incredibly funny unintentional person. I can't tell if he's in on the joke or not, but man, some of the things he says are, are spectacular. But that's all the fun that that BKFC is offering me is is that interaction there. Whereas PFL. Look, the heavyweights are a tough hang. I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. Last weekend wasn't the world's best card, but you get to watch Kayla Harrison go to work. She's one of the best female fighters in the world. Uh, Chris Way, Brendan Lonan, as I mentioned, that's a really damn good fight. Uh, Larissa Pacheco. I actually think Larissa Pacheco's a really good fighter. She doesn't get the credit she probably deserves because women's lightweight isn't a real division, and she's most known for just periodically getting her ass beat by Kayla Harrison. But I do think she's a very good fighter. So. Uh, give me the PFL uh, if if those are my two choices
2: Evan same question for you PFL Kale Harrison BKFC Mike Perry versus MVP
4: hey listen I love Mike Perry I love Mike Perry he's freaking hilarious and that's so funny what Jed was saying about I don't know if it is intentional, man. I think that might just be who he is, and uh, I don't think he's in on the jokes. I think he's just being 100% authentic, and people – he's like, man, why not all these people laugh at everything I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I think that – I think it's an interesting – I think the BKFC uh, uh, with MVP and uh, Mike Perry is very interesting. But to be completely honest, and I hate to say it, and I have so much respect for all combat sport athletes – Uh, but I just don't really, I don't, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a huge fan of BKFC. Um, I think, I think bare knuckle MMA would be much better, uh, than just bare knuckle boxing. But, uh, for that reason, i definitely would go with the PFL. Um, just because I, as a, as a, uh, mixed martial artist kind of sewer, uh, I think that that you're going to have a lot more actual skills and talent to, to, to watch and, uh, much more of an art to see with the uh, the PFL with all the the high level MMA fights, but um, like I said, no no knock on anybody because I respect all combat sports athletes and uh, I like BKFC, but not 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 anything tremendously.
3: <laughs> also, my I mean let's yeah. let's be very clear: the best thing to watch Saturday, arguably including the UFC, is Usyk Joshua too. If I'm watching a non-UFC thing Saturday, it's Usyk Joshua 2. And there's even an argument to watch KSW, just even though their card is Ratchet. uh, It's still KSW, so it's fun. It's an awful card. But, like, is it that much worse? Is it that much worse? And the production values are great. Perry MVP
2: is just... I'm just so interested to see how that fight actually looks. Like, I have a feeling it's not going to be the greatest most action-packed fight of all time. I see a world where MVP just pieces Perry up for a while, but Perry's remember, a dog, so it could be fun. But we get five, you get five slims with PFL.
3: Yeah, also Marcin Held whoof, is a post-limb on PFL. Tough hang, buddy. Uh, yeah, post-limbs are tough too. Man, yeah, I don't. none of these are good choices. Watch Usyk Joshua too. everybody do that with your time. That's a great use of your time.
2: And uh, shout out to Elena Kolesnik who has a chance to make it to the finals after everything she's gone through, uh, over this past year. She is so, a lovely
3: person. I got to meet her in a- Atlanta. She is a wonderful human being.
2: If you haven't checked it out, go to my pin tweet, uh, and check out either the article. I actually recommend you listen to the podcast cause I just, I just think it comes out so good. I actually listened to it today. Uh, I don't go back and listen to my work all that often, but I did go back and listen to that and, I was like, "Damn, I forgot how like sad this story is." But the redemption could be incredible. Last thing, Jed, Roy McDonald announces retirement from the sport after a brutal KO loss for the PFL last weekend. Your reaction? What will he be remembered for in your eyes?
3: Uh, I mean, it's good. It's a good retirement. Feels like it's going to stick when you hear him talk about it. He sounded a lot like Donald Cerrone when Cerrone retired, saying. I, I knew I wanted to retire for a while, but I wanted to make absolutely certain that it was time that I, I was ready to go, that the game ain't in me no more, and that, that's what Rory sounded like. Uh, so I think this one's going to stick. It's a good time to go. He, he hasn't found success by transitioning to the PFL. Um, by all accounts, he put everything he had into this past year to try and make it happen, and, and, and it's just not there for him anymore, and that's okay. Like He had a great career. Uh, the thing he is going to be remembered for is very obviously the Robbie Lawler fight. I think that was one eighty nine. Uh, he, he will be enshrined in the UFC Hall of Fame at some point for that fight. Uh, it is the—it's tough to call it the highlight because he ends up losing that fight, but it—it is—it is the fight that defines his career entirely. Uh, even with being a Bellator welterweight champion, like that's—that's that's just the fight that you think of. But great career. Um, Probably not as good as people expected of him, but still a a very, very solid career. Uh, I I don't think he underachieved at all, which, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. Like, he maybe didn't achieve what people wanted from him, but I think he achieved just about as much as he could have, and that's good.
2: Evan, Roy McDonald retires. Your reaction?
4: Man, it's, it's sad to me, uh, very similar to cowboy, you know, cause I literally grew up watching these guys. And like, th- those were two, those were actually two specific fighters that I, I looked up to a lot, especially Rory. Uh, I remember being like 16 years old, going out to California and doing some, uh, got some training in at a gym out there and, uh, you know, being that young, it, Rory was young on the scene too. And he was, you know, super young in the UFC and, and they called me Rory McDonald while I was out there. Cause I was just, you know, so young and. Uh, you know, really trying to, to pursue my dream and everything. And uh, that was like the coolest thing in the world to me. Cause I had, you know, that much admiration for, for Rory already. And uh, so, you know, to me, it was very sad, um, but also uh, very happy because I do think it's definitely time. And I, I hate, I hate, hate, I hate seeing like people, people like him uh, that I look up to so much, um, you know, times change and life, life is hard. Life changes. He's got a family, he's got kids, he's got, uh, different obligations, priorities may have changed. Um, you know, and, uh, fighting gets, you know, fighting's tough, man. So, and just like I was saying earlier, it's a hundred percent, a full-time job. So if you're not, if you're not given 24 hours of your day to it, it's, it's hard to, uh, stay at the top. And, uh, you know, I hate to see people's legacy, you know, start getting tainted because, uh, what, what you, we remember what we see last a lot of times. So, um you know I'm, I'm glad to see him hang it up and uh, i hope the next chapter of his life is great because he's freaking definitely deserved it and uh i'm very thankful and and i hope he's happy with the work that he's turned in because man he is a uh he's a legend in my eyes he's, he's accomplished so much and uh nothing but respect and admiration for the guy and I, I hope his retirement treats him well
2: well said with that said it's time to give away the final point of regulation Point for round four goes to. It was a very close round, but Evan just tugged at the old heartstrings at the end there. It's two to two, which means we're going to have some fun, ladies and gentlemen, as expected. It doesn't really happen that often on the program, but we're going to go to the knockout round. Each each participant will have one minute, one minute to answer a random question they have no idea about, although they probably do. It's not going to be incredibly crazy. Once that is over, there will be a poll on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel, which you are watching right now, and you can cast your vote for who you think won this week's edition of Between the Lings. Jed, you are the winner of the most previous show that there was an actual competition, you know how this works. Do you want to go first or do you want to price this right, price is right style and pass it on over to Evan?
3: I'm trying to think what question you would have here, because that defines how I want to play the game uh, for the sake of it. And because, you know, Evan's first time want to be generous. I'll go first. I'll let him see how it's done. All right. Here we go. I have honestly no idea what you're about to ask either. So. Well, uh, you maybe eat. I'm brain maybe I'm brain farting because nothing's jumping out at me.
2: It's nothing crazy. Uh, but let's talk. We're gonna talk UFC 278 one last time, Jed Jedmashu. One last time. Oh, what, we're yes, do, what we're going to do, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take the three main fights we already talked about, and the heavyweight fight between oh, Romanoff and Martin Taibora off the board altogether. What fight fighter or storyline stands out the most outside of the big four? What the hell? I know it's a little bit... It, Why are you you taking might have to my, dig my a little bit here. Because I knew you were going to go with that, and I'm not <laughs> going to allow go that to happen. You're as high on Romanov as I am, so it's not like I'm hearing anything new. So one minute on the clock, low-key banger, low-key storyline for UFC 278 outside of the four big fights. Go.
3: Uh... This is tough because, let's be really honest, this this is a three-fight card, and I have a special place in my soul for heavyweights. Uh, and Alexander Romanov is probably gonna challenge for a belt one day, so uh, those are the four. If I have to pick another one, uh, Loki Banger is tough. I will go ahead and say, though, just for the sake of it, because this has become a bit of a meme on No Bet's Bar, great podcast, Amir Albazi, Francisco Figueiredo. Uh, one, you love it when you've got the sibling of a UFC champion because they mostly aren't good. They're not, like, bad, but they mostly aren't good. Like, one one sibling gets all the talent. Antina Shevchenko uh, and Valentina Shevchenko comes to mind. He's going against Amir Albazi, who... Might be really damn good and is absolutely super exciting. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, flyweight unders, they never lose. So go ahead and bet that under two and a half because I sure have because they always cash. Baby, let's go.
2: There you go. Jed trying to make some money for the people who are going to be casting votes. So not a bad game plan. Not a bad game plan. Uh, Let's go to Evan. UFC 278. We're taking the four big fights with all the high stakes off the table. We have some there's an oppor, there's lots of opportunity here to to emerge as maybe another star who knows but we get some some interesting matchups here outside of the four major fights what's the low key banger fight fighter storyline that you have your eye on as a fan one minute on the clock go man
4: I'm I I feel so bad I'm drawing such a blank but I'm going to have to go with my boy Lusa uh, I can't remember the name of the guy he's fighting uh J.J. Fletcher uh, yes Fletcher uh, but I have to go with that fight just because uh, Lou is my boy and I mean he is seriously uh, aside from aside from him being a friend of mine he is one of the most exciting fighters, and I think that dude's going to have such an amazing career in the UFC. If you watch his two fights that he's had, uh, or I'm sorry, one fight on the Contender Series, one fight in the UFC, both losses, both incredible fights, like amazing fights. I think he's going to be one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC, and uh, for that reason, I think that I think he's going to put on a show, and uh, I think that's going to be the standout. And it's on the early prelims, so make sure not to miss it.
2: There you go. And uh, if you're not watching the card, you can follow along with MAFighting.com. We'll tell you what happened Great website. in that fight. And it's, I knew you were going to say that. So Check it out. All right. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Great website. Tremendous. <laughs> tremendous website, as, as Jed likes to say. So I'm going to waste a few moments here while you all cast your votes for Jed, for Evan. I know the last couple of shows where we've gone to the to the peeps – Draw was even an option, so perhaps that is an option once again. Uh, so a little programming there, no, note. No Tomorrow, draw option
0: today. There, there will be a winner. There will be a winner. Winners and losers. Oh, yeah, no draw. It's a, a pay per view week.
2: It's a pay per view week. Yeah.
3: <laughs> around with draws I mean, here. We still can't have a draw if we both just get fifty percent of the vote. <laughs> That is very true. So but still, then, I'm no still, man, if that happens, but that makes if that sense. Happens,
2: <laughs> if that happens, Casey will no make the final decision. So there will be a winner, baby. There will be a winner. Uh, tomorrow morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, heck of a morning on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. We're going to start a little bit early because we have the official weigh-in show, which is going to kick off a little before 11 a.m. Eastern to get you ready for UFC 278. We'll see if there's a Who's drama doing on that? the scale. Me and Casey and Jose and... Oh, if you okay. want to join, I,
3: hop on in, but you have the day off. Yeah, so. I, do, I, I do not. I just know AK is not working, so I didn't know who I know. was going to be doing that with you.
0: Well, you don't want to jump I in know. and watch the heavyweights weigh in?
3: No, I'll to be like, like 225. Yeah. Say, yeah, and he's probably going to wait till the last minute because heavyweights like to do that for some reason.
2: It's the best. It's very true. Uh, well, preview show, 3 p.m. Eastern. Myself, Jose Youngs, Casey will join us as well. We'll take questions. Well, have the people's pre-fight show, five fifteen Eastern on Saturday. Myself, Jed Machu, will be back with Casey answering your questions until the first punches are thrown. Jose is in Salt Lake City, so we'll have your post-fight coverage, press conference, post-fight show, and then eleven a.m. on Sunday morning. Jed and I are back for a live edition of On to the Next One. Matchmaking. We're gonna have some fun. AK will not be here for that because he is in Scotland, I believe, Scotland. He's living the high life. So I think we've wasted enough time here. Let's bring in the man with the baddest stash in MMA media, E Casey Lydon,
3: Mr. Thirty Twenty Four. There he is,
2: <laughs> Mr. Thirty Twenty Four, E Casey Lydon. Do we have a decision here? Do we have the peeps come through?
0: I, I'm I'm trying to stretch this out. I'm trying to stretch this out because it is. This is super close. This is super close.
2: Uh-oh. Wow. All right. right.
0: It's, it's, Wait,
3: let me get wow. to our YouTube channel so I can vote. Hey,
0: hey, no peeking. No peeking. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're like the corner guy that gets behind Buffer. So when they read the announcements, I guess he
4: already yeah. knows the decision. You're that guy.
2: Both Should guys you? had to dig real deep here <laughs> to, to find the storyline. So let's see. Give the All old right.
4: uh, Jeopardy music countdown. Yeah, Give a, yeah. you know we go. A little bit there we longer. Go. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> all right all right we have a winner your winner with 54% of the votes is that is close
2: And um, still, Jed Mishu. I, I see the face. I saw the face of disgust. So I heard it. I kind, of, kind of gave it away. I, 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 I couldn't hide it. I couldn't hide it. <laughs> it's like it's like he walked out of his front door and like a skunk sprayed in his driveway. That was the look. That you had on your face. I can't believe name. I had to say uh, this out loud. Yeah, it's just. It's just so, Jed gets be, I'm Sorry. Sorry to
4: disappoint.
3: <laughs> let's be clear. So I, I won because of the PFL million dollars thing. Like, that's where all my vote came, all votes came from. I'm 100% certain. <laughs> of that. Yeah. Dude, that was hilarious.
2: That.
3: Yeah.
2: that was hilarious. All right, Jed. Right Vic, th- your 30 second victory lap, my man.
3: Ooh, I'm excited because I, I actually prepared something this time. Uh, let's talk about Paulo Costa. He might not be very good. And I say this and I think he's gonna beat Luke Rockhold, but I want us to just contextualize what his career has been. His wins are, let's remember, Gareth McClellan, Olawale Bose, Beng- Johnny Hendricks, Uriah Hall, and then a robbery over Yoel Romero. That is not a great resume if we're being honest. And he lost to Izzy and he lost to Marvin Vittori, the two best guys he's fought that aren't Yoel Romero there's a real chance that he is not very good. And Luke Rockhold, at least at one point in time, was very good. And I am getting very, very close to just thinking Rockhold's going to beat him as this fight gets closer. So tune in, tune in Saturday, and we will find out who does win. Evan,
2: we appreciate you jumping on. Ed Cap put out the feelers and you jumped in and we appreciate that very much. Your thoughts on on the voting and, and your time here in the virtual arena.
4: Hey, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. I had a really good time, and I uh, hope we can do it again. Uh, shout out to Ed for, for uh, hitting me up. Um, but no, I, I think the voting was good, man. Uh, you know, Jed Jed's a winner for a reason. He's uh, very well thought out, uh, you know, obviously very educated and, and well-spoken on on the topic. So uh, congratulations to Jed,
2: and uh, hopefully we can That's run nice it back. Nice guy. I know this is this is un-btl like, but maybe maybe
0: we're changing our ways. This guy's way too polite and nice to be a fighter. Get out
3: of here. Get out.
4: (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. right, right. My bad. My bad.
3: Evan, let me be
2: Yeah. If if Evan and Joe Selecki played each other in this game, it would be the kindest. Oh god. Can you do that? Make that happen. Maybe. Make that happen. I mean, they're in the same division. It's tough. It's tough. (laughs) I I would love to try it, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll have to check in with the. With the man, the myth, the legend, Ed Cap, to see if we can make that work. But you can hit the exit music, Casey, because we are are done. We went a little over time today, but we had a million things to talk about. Of course, we got UFC 278 (laughs) coming up on Saturday. And it should be fun. And we'll have a lot to discuss coming out of that event. And hopefully you will join us for all of that content. So thank you very much for watching. For Jed, for Evan, I am Mike Heck. Big shout out to E! Casey Lydon on the ones and twos. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. We'll see you back here once again Between the Links next week. Good night, everybody. This has guys. been Between the Links. Thank you for watching. Evan Oder. you are the people's champ. Jed
0: you. you suck. You suck, Jed. <laughs>